0: Welcome to a fully loaded edition here of campus life, our weekly college focused episode here on campus Decanton. As always, I'm Austin and this is Colin. And uh, I almost feel like a weight's been lifted off my shoulders here. Um, it's just less live football to watch for the next couple months. As much as, you know, we get into it and I love it. Um, I almost, I, I need this time of the year to kind of regroup a little bit. You feel the same way?
1: Yeah. Um, I'm definitely with you there. Um, you know, I, I love watching the live football, you know, it's, it's hard to be, you know, watching football on a Saturday, you know, just hanging out on the couch, uh, you know, beer in your hand, however you do it. Um, you know, I, obviously I love to do that, but you know, the off season is definitely a time where you get to, to really dig into some of these guys that catch your eye throughout the year. And, you know, cause that's a time of year where people are uploading some of the all 22, you know, you're getting to watch actually some of the footage of it and of some of like the lower level guys. Cause there's some, you know, all twenty-two from this year out there already on you know the bigger name guys like Fields or, you know, guys like Harris, guys like that. But yeah, definitely using the off season to to update my rankings to you know find some unearth some diamonds in the rough here. So, I
0: love the off season personally. I look forward to the off season every year. I think my favorite part is when you kind of get caught up in a the hype on a guy or, you know, a guy has a really good statistical season and you bump him up a bunch of your rankings and then you sit down in the offseason to watch him and you're like, oh, man, this guy sucks. <laughs> and, I, and like I've been bumping this guy up for months. I probably talked about him on Twitter. and It's just like, ah, oh. <laughs> do you have any
1: examples of that off the top of your head now? I don't know. If um, I you what this, got so far.
0: this year, I actually don't have anyone that I've quite hit that point with yet. I think I did it with Kenny Kenny Gainwell a little bit last year. Okay. Uh, where once I like finally dove into him, I was a little bit disappointed in what I saw. Um, Eric Gray, maybe this year. I bought, but I already I've sat down and watched a bunch of his stuff from this year already. Uh, as a guy that I that I bumped down a little bit after watching him, but okay, yeah, yeah, it's uh. Hey, that's it. We just came up with a segment that we can do later on live on the air. um,
1: Yeah, I mean, we're just I love just always bouncing ideas off and it's better when we when we do it on live air. Exactly. First major one that I think we've come up
0: with on air, but the pressure for you guys. Pressure makes diamonds, isn't that what they say? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> All right. Well, we have a ton of stuff to talk about here tonight. Um, so let's just dig right into it here. Um, we have a couple of pieces of news that we want to discuss. The first one um, being some coaching carousel uh, updates already. It's it's that season. I mean, we're just going to see a bunch of coaching changes now. The bowl season's pretty much over. Um, the first one up that, that's major this this year is Tom Herman leaving Texas. Um, Herman leaves with a 32-18 and 18 record in four years never won a conference title, one and four against Oklahoma. Uh, and shortly after announcing they fired him, Texas concluded the shortest coaching search in history by hiring Alabama offensive coordinator Steve Sarkeesian. So, Colin, is this a good hire? What can we expect um, from our Texas Debbie assets and our C2C assets moving forward?
1: Well, I mean, first off, I'm, I'm actually kind of surprised that they moved on from Herman right now. I mean, you heard a lot of chatter about it and everything like that, but his buyout was just insane. And they were going to have to buy out all the guys on that uh, that staff unless they brought in Urban Meyer, who had worked with most of those guys before. But after Urban Meyer turned him down, you kind of thought, all right, maybe Herman gets one last shot at it. But apparently not. And they're going to bring in Sark, uh, who is a guy who's been – he's well-traveled. We'll put it that way. You know, he had some ups and downs and everything. You, know. but I think overall, it's it's a solid hire, um, at least from a fantasy perspective. I don't know how much he's going to bring to winning in Texas. So, I mean, you know, we'll see. We'll see there. You know, as a, a Atlanta Falcons fan, you know, I have some feelings about about that <laughs> for sure. But you know, Herman Herman's offenses were were pretty balanced overall. Um, you know, twenty nineteen. Was the number 20 offense for passing, number 48 and rushing. Um, you know, this year, number 27 in passing, number 37, 27 in passing, 37 in rushing. Um, you know, and they steadily improved their points per game over year. But you know, he wasn't really anybody that inspired a lot of confidence in the offenses. Whereas with Sark, you know, he had he struggled a little bit at USC, you know, as far as like scoring goes, he was 37 in points per game um the one year in 2015 31st passing offense and in 2016 25th passing offense 32nd points per game but it, you you kind of already know about some of the struggles he had there so you know I think you can you don't write it off but you know you can chalk up the chalk up that to a little bit of the, the issues he was having but then he went to Atlanta and you know Atlanta did what they always did there and you know how much of that was Matt Ryan and Julio you know versus how much of it was Sark hard to say but it was the number eight passing offense in the league in 2017 the were four passing offense in the league in 2018 and you know he didn't really inspire a lot of confidence there when it you was know, far as like actually producing some points and you know winning games so they let him go where you know maybe they probably should have let Quinn go at that point but that's a, a story for another day uh, but, you know, resurfaces at Bama, um, where you know, he had a pit stop at Bama there, um, you know, between his USC and Atlanta days, Saban must have like a bit of a thing for him. But, you know, he, and how, you know, he, he really showed a lot there at Bama, you know, number three passing offense in 2019. Uh, number six, total offense, number two in points per game. So he's putting up points. That's what you want to see. And you know, this year, he's number five passing offense, number six total number 2 in points per game. So, yes, it's Bama. They have a ton of talent. You know, they had they had some good quarterbacks there to work with, but you know, everywhere you go, everywhere he goes, you do see good uh, fantasy offenses. So, I think this hire by Texas, like I said, may not be the best for Texas winning games, but it should be good for your fantasy side, especially in college there. And you're going to want to target pieces of that passing attack. So, I think some of the guys that i will be looking at there would be you know, Joshua Moore, who is the number one receiver this year for Texas from a statistical standpoint. He had 30 catches, 472 yards, and nine touchdowns. Uh, but he did slow a little bit down the stretch, um, and some of the other guys there are have a little bit of a higher profile, so he's a guy who you may be able to get pretty cheap. Um, he's a redshirt sophomore. He's 6'1", he's listed at 169, He's pretty small. He's going to need to bulk up, but you know his his pedigree. Where you know the two the next two guys I'm going to talk about have the, you know they have the the big recruiting pedigree there. But his wasn't bad. He was a four star guy. He's number 19 wide receiver in his class. You know, but then the next guy you got you got Jake Smith. Uh, who's a sophomore, six foot, 200 pounds. He was the number eight wide receiver in the class. It's a four star guy. He was there, um, you know, he had 23 catches, 294, and three touchdowns this year. Uh, and then he had Jordan Whittington. He's a freshman, you um, know, 6'1", 209. He's a five-star guy. He's number two athlete overall. Uh, but he was, he's pretty raw for the wide receiver position, you know, given his, his athlete uh, label coming out. Um, so, you know, I, I don't necessarily love either of those guys. Um, at least pro prospects wise. So, you know, they may put up some points for your fantasy side, but I think Joshua Moore is the guy I would target there.
0: Uh, yes, S- S- Smith and, um, and Whitington are both like that running back wide receiver hybrid kind of guy. I feel like when I watch them
1: yeah, and
0: sure. I either love those guys or I hate them. And I just don't, I don't see much in those two Texas guys. I, I I'm very, uh, you know, I I'm out on them as NFL guys, I think. Okay.
1: Is there any particular reason?
0: Um, I don't think they do anything particularly great. I mean, I think they're pretty average college players. I know that Smith was what Gatorade player of the year in, um, whatever state he came from. Um, yeah, I, I, it's, it's not a profile that I necessarily want to bet on a ton. I might find one or two guys in college. Like I really like Aeneas Smith. I think he does what they do like way better. And yeah, uh, but sure. those guys don't hit a lot. So, you know, I will take one or two of those guys and I'm not going to bet on, you know, 10 of them.
1: Right. Yeah. I think that's a good way to do it there too. Uh, but I think uh, another guy who's a little bit forgotten there this year, and he's a guy that, uh, you know, I definitely have my eye on. It's uh, Troy Omir, a uh, four-star guy from this year's class. He's a freshman. You know, he's six three, two thirty. 30. So, I f- and Brendan Eagles just, you know, he declared for the draft, so he's gone. So they don't have, like you said, th- those are all, all the guys that we just named Moore, Smith and Whittington are slot guys, you know, so who's going to step up on the outside. I think Omir could be that guy. So, you know, he's a guy that I'd also be interested in acquiring and I don't think he's going to cost you much either.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I actually don't really, I mean, i I, I remember the name from last year, but I don't, uh, I wouldn't be able to tell you anything about him. So that's interesting. I'll have to look yeah. and see where, uh, where he's owned across my leagues going yes. into this off season and, and maybe and add him to my plans, yeah. Probably
1: not owned in a ton of different places. Um, you know, so, so definitely a guy that I have on my watch list already. He was a guy I had on my watch list coming into the year, um, you know, just cause I wasn't really sure how the Texas wide receivers were gonna shake out. Um, so I was, I had an eye on him, but you know, with Ellinger declaring this year, yeah, you know, there's going to be a little bit of uncertainty at quarterback between card and with how good Thompson looked, which, I mean, I've professed my my card love a couple times here. Uh, we mentioned it a little bit last week with how good Thompson looked, so we're not going to, you know, go too in-depth there, but definitely something I'm keeping an eye on in the spring here. Uh, but another thing that uh, I like with a Sark hire here is his recruiting ability, and you know you you look at the bamas recruiting classes and you know you can chalk most of that up to sabin mostly you know they're just perennially a powerhouse team but when he was at usc there they had the number two recruiting class in the country in 2015 first year there and the number 10 recruiting class in the country in 2016. and i think the comparables between usc and texas as far as ability to recruit you know because the, they have both have kind of like a name brand but it's a little bit tarnished of a name brand right now where it, like you know they're not neither of them are like the powerhouses they're like kind of the wannabe powerhouses so i think that you can draw some parallels there and i think he's going to be able to bring in some good recruits into texas especially with having a little bit of nfl uh a little bit of an nfl layover there in atlanta so he's got some experience so you know he's a guy to watch out that's a guy to watch out for, for the recruiting rankings come moving forward as well
0: i'll be honest the only thing i want to hear from from that Texas offense next year is the ball is in B. John's hand. That's all I care about. He's clearly their best player. I mean, we, we, have we've, we've uh, eased him in enough this year. I mean, I don't want to see the guy getting like 45 touches a game, but I mean, he needs to be their main focal point of that offense. If he's not, then it's a, that's like a fireball offense in the first year, man. It's
1: yeah. Well, the, the good news with Sark there is he, he doesn't really split the backfield touches up too much. Um, you know, I mean, at Bama, when they have like a carousel of guys, you know, he he obviously did that there because they, they just had so many guys. But when he was in Atlanta, you know, he mostly leaned on Freeman um, or, you know, when when Freeman went down, they had that revolving door of of nobodies with Smith and Brian Hill and guys like that. But, you know, his rushing offenses, they don't produce a ton. Um you know, at least, at least at Bama, uh, surprisingly the number 46 rushing offense this year. And they were the number 56 rushing offense last year. So I don't necessarily love this hire for Bijan, but I do love Bajon. So he's not a guy I'm
0: moving. Yeah. Yeah. You'd have to pry him from my cold dead hands. (laughs) Um, so the other big, coaching news this this uh this weekend and i don't think it's actually been made official yet it just seems to be reported at a bunch of different places is that jim harbaugh was extended at michigan and i know michigan fans really are just universally unhappy about that which tells you kind of all you need to know there um he's had consistently strong recruiting classes but he hasn't really developed much on the offensive side um so just looking at his you know what he's done there a little bit he's been 49 and 22 Um, Since 2015 at Michigan, Uh, 34 and 16 in conference, which is kind of not great. Um, He only has one season where he actually finished better than third in there in the in the Big Ten East, which also surprised me a little bit. Um, Recruiting class ranking wise, though, he's pretty much been hitting it out of the park. Uh, 2016, he had the eighth class in the country. 2017, he was the fifth ranked. 2018 took a bit of a dip they were number 22 but they rebounded right again in 2019 to number eight and 2020 they were number 14. so outside of 20, or 2018 he's consistently been top 15 most years he's been you know even better than that the problem for him there so far is that he hasn't developed a quarterback despite being considered a quarterback whisperer um, I mean he's he has that reputation because of his time with luck at Stanford and then he did pretty well with cap in the NFL. But over time I've started to wonder how much of that was Greg Roman compared to him because of right. what Roman's done with Lamar. And then looking at like a the, just the list of quarterbacks he's had there. He had Jake Rudock, Wilton Spate, John O'Corn, Shea Patterson, and Joe Milton. Which, like, yeah, like if I if one of those guys, you know, stole my wallet and I tried to describe him to the police, I would just be describing all of them except for Joe Milton. <laughs> Like, they literally all look exactly the same, like same yeah, height, same build, same build. Like they all had like five o'clock shadow as like seventeen year olds. Like, I. So I he hasn't found a quarterback yet. I mean, maybe he has finally found it this year with uh, with McCarthy coming in. I'm not really holding my breath there, but you know, maybe. And then even aside from that, they just haven't developed any skill position guys either. You know, in 2016. He brought in Devin Asiasi, who was a tight end three in his class and a four-star. He transferred. And the only other four-star skill position guy they brought in that year was Kakoa Crawford, who was wide receiver 19 in the class. He also transferred. In 2017, four-star guys they brought in. Donovan Peoples-Jones, who was actually a five-star wide receiver one, sixth-round draft pick, Tariq Black, four-star wide receiver 15 transferred Nico Collins wide receiver 23 four-star he opted out this year but only had 78 catches 1,388 yards and 13 touchdowns in three years Then you had Oliver Martin who was wide receiver 29 transferred Omari Samuels running back 24 star transferred slash dismissed 2018 Mustafa Muhammad tight end six four-star transferred 2019 Zach Charbonnet only 850 yards and 12 touchdowns through 2 years despite being the fourth ranked running back in their class and Cornelius Johnson who is wide receiver 26 who has 20 catches and four touchdowns in 2 years. So bottom line I hate this hire for everybody on that roster especially like uh, you know dynamic athletic skill guys like Blake Corum and Roman Wilson and Cornelius Johnson. Those are guys that just are never going to flourish or develop in a Harbaugh offense. So, I was going to try to buy Quorum this off season, but now I don't think I am. I think I'm selling every piece of that offense that I can.
1: Yeah, I mean, as a Penn State fan, you know, I love this. You know, bring him back. Let's let them toil in mediocrity for another couple of years here. Um, you know, that's totally fine by me. Uh, but yeah, when you talk about a fantasy perspective here, it's definitely not inspiring. I mean. You know, you haven't really wanted any pieces of those Michigan offenses from a C2C side at all. I mean, Cade McNamara, you know, he had one nice game this year, um, you know, against Rutgers, that three overtime game. But, you know, other than that, you know, nobody really did anything there this year. Um, you do bring in JJ McCarthy, who's a guy that uh, I'm definitely intrigued by skills wise, but don't love Michigan offensive pieces, like we were saying there. And the real shame is they bring in some nice pieces this year in their recruiting class as well with Donovan Edwards and Xavier Worthy too. But yeah, it's just really uninspiring and kind of a surprising move a little bit. I mean, with his contract up, but with the way that kind of went, I think they could have just amicably let him walk. And there's enough openings around the NFL where he may have popped up here or there somewhere else. But I mean, Hey, Harbaugh is a, is a Michigan man. He is, michigan football and he's going to continue to be i guess
0: yeah yeah um so the other big news this week is just the new york six bowls um all took place for the most part this weekend um and just aside you know some of them were college football playoff games and then the other ones um with georgia cincinnati and then texas a&m unc so colin what is your big fantasy takeaway for next season that you're that you're bringing from these games
1: uh well there were i mean obviously There were a couple, uh, a couple standouts there, but you know, um, Devin, uh, a chain, um, was, was one of the big ones there for, for Texas A&M, you know, after Spiller went down, you know, he goes 12 for one forty and two touchdowns, and then has two for, for 24 through the air. Um, you know, he had that monster 76 yard TD run that everybody's going to remember. So, I mean, good luck buying a chain now. Um, you know, he's not somebody that you want to buy right now, especially given that uh, Spiller and, a nice smith are both coming back um but he is a guy to keep an eye on definitely add to your watch list and when he starts to you know obviously falls back to that number three role there and you know who knows if they uh bring in lj johnson from this year's recruiting class you know they're still in the mix for him um you know so wait to see how that shakes out in the beginning of the year next year i think you'll have a buy window for a chain um because then after that, likely, I would guess Spiller and Smith will leave after next year, would be my guess at this time, given how they've looked. But you know, he's a guy who you, you saw the long speed there with that 76-yard TD run. You saw the nice contact balance for his size on that. You know, some of those other carries as well. You know, where he was at 5'9", 185. That's not really something you expect to see, but he looked bigger than that to me out there. Um, And then he lined up a fair amount at wide receiver in high school. And, you know, he showed a little bit of receiving chops this year. So he's definitely a guy that, you know, like I said, you're not buying him now because you're going to be buying too high, but put on the watch list, keep an eye. And when he doesn't really pop off next year and falls off people's radar, that's when you buy him.
0: Yeah, I thought he looked really good on that long touchdown. That nice balance there, um, and yeah, I agree with what you said. I, I'll tra- probably try to drop some offers uh, next season for him because, yeah, I mean that. I, I liked running backs in that Jimbo Fisher offense. I'm not sure who's going to be playing quarterback for them moving forward, but um, right because
1: Mond can come back. Um, I like Haynes King. Uh, I liked him coming out. Uh, you know, he was kind of a guy I had an eye on, especially with the idea that Mond was going to move on. But now you don't know. Everything's up in the air with that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'd agree with that. Um, anybody else stand out to you?
1: Yeah. The other, uh, big name that stood out for me was, uh, Marcus majors for, for Oklahoma. Um, you know, with the backfield being pretty, pretty muddled all year, um, until Ramondre Stevens kind of stepped up and, you know, he's gained a lot of steam here lately. And you know, there's a lot of people in the industry you see starting to mention him. Um, you know, I know your guy, Felix is a big fan of, of Stevenson. So you might see him capitalize on, you know, this momentum and, and definitely move on uh, as opposed to taking advantage of the extra year of eligibility. Um, and if he does, that leaves that backfield pretty open, especially with Wheaton going somewhere else. Um, so with Marcus Majors, you know, he put up nine carries, 110 yards and a touchdown. He had that nice 46 yard touchdown run there too. Um, so he showed out there against Florida. Now it, it's Florida. They've been getting gashed by everybody all year. Uh, but he did have, you know, 35 carries, 187 yards, three touchdowns on the year. So, you know, he's, he's worked in here and there throughout the year. So it wasn't like his, you know, he only played in this game, although definitely most of his yards came here. But, you know, he's got the size that you look for at six foot, 200 pounds. Um, you know, he shows solid speed, like I said, on that 46-yard touchdown run. Um, and something else that stood out to me when I was, you know, I saw his name, saw him pop off. Y'all you know, went did a little bit of research on him. He was actually a wide receiver until his junior year of high school. So it leads you to believe that he's probably got some some solid uh, ability catching the ball out of the backfield. Uh, so he's a guy though that I do think you could probably get right now um, for for relatively cheap, um, and you know you could definitely look to profit on that next year where that backfield is is going to be pretty much wide open
0: yeah if, if stevenson dudley does leave there i mean because they missed out on kamar wheaton um yeah it's it's a it's a thin backfield for sure um and i'm not sure I, i've seen some people talk about mcgowan i'm really not sure mcgowan is it um no i wasn't he, really impressed that impressive no. like he had that long run and i got like in a I, I said something on twitter about it where someone was like oh look at mcgowan go and i was like that dude looks slow man like yeah. That whole like there probably wasn't a guy within thirty yards of him and he got caught. Yeah, which should never have happened. Um, he he did not look athletically like a guy that I would want to bet makes it to the NFL.
1: No, so I would agree with that.
0: Yeah, yeah. So ma- major might be a sneaky scoop where, where someone will be focused on the McGowan, um, you know, yeah. ranking from last year, and you can uh, yeah you can snag him for cheap. Um, yeah. Yeah. He's definitely
1: a guy and I, he's probably not owned in any leagues right now either. So if your waiver wire is open right now, you know, go scoop him up, but you know, I know a lot of them are closed. So he's definitely a guy through on my watch list.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, so just my big takeaway and this actually, we were talking before the show, this is definitely going to turn to an article for me at some point. Um, I think there is going to be a major window next year. And I think it's going to be a, a long window where you can buy Sam Howe. For much cheaper than he should be and i'm saying that because if this game on saturday was any indication about how their uh, skill positions are going to shake out next year it's going to be a very long year for them offensively i mean Hal kept them into the game and he looked pretty good but if you're going to have a lot of people in your leagues that are looking at those stats and and i think his stats are going to be down
1: he yeah. loses
0: both of those guys in the backfield with um, Javante Williams and Michael Carter. And then De'Ami Brown's already declared. And Daz Newsom was a senior. He's probably going to follow him out the door outside of Josh Downs, who we've talked about on this show before. Um, and I really, really like, and he looked really good the other night. They just were dropping the ball left and right. It was on. It was incredible. I don't know if I can remember like a, a major power five program with that many drops in a single game in a while. Um, and the backs didn't look good either. I mean, they have Josh Henderson and British Brooks there. I didn't think either of them look like starting major college running backs in that game. And so maybe Camaro Edmonds comes in next year, your guy that you talked about a few weeks ago, maybe he comes in and, and does some work, but, but we also talked about he's a little undersized, you know, he might need yeah. a year like that. That's not, it's not like he's a 511 220 guy coming in there and he might be, a, be able to take the bulk of touches. Um, And then, yeah, just the receivers. I mean, they have uh, De'Ami Brown's brother there. He had like one or two just absolutely back-breaking drops. Yeah. And um, I I liked Ray Rose from last year. He was like a very low four-star, like right on the border of three and four, which is still a very good player, very good recruit. Um, He's a guy that I'm a little intrigued by, but he didn't really see the field at all this year. I think he saw like a couple snaps against uh, Western Carolina or something. Yeah. and they don't bring in anybody this year that I think is necessarily ready to go year one. So I'm going to go out now and I'm going to say Hal's going to struggle a little bit next year. I think he's at least in the Devi C2C, you know, social media universe going to fall behind Spencer Rattler. Whereas right now I think he's generally ahead of him in rankings and that's going to be your time to go get Sam Howell, who I still think can be a really good starting quarterback in the NFL.
1: Yeah, I mean, I first of all, I completely agree with you with the uh, the pro prospects for Sam Howell. Um, you know, I've been very impressed with Howell, and you know his ability to move through reads and his understanding of the offense. Uh, you know, he does show that little bit of mobility too that you like to see. You know, he's he's evasive in the pocket, um, so he checks that box for me as well. So he's he's my uh, QB one for that class as well. And I think you're right. I do think you're gonna get to the, it's almost going to be like a fatigue standpoint where, you know, every, right now, like everybody's fine having him wide receiver one, but like right before people start to declare QB one uh, and right before you start to have people declare, like that's when people start to get kind of fancy with their takes and, you know, they'll they'll move guys up ahead of other guys. And you, know, you see that this year with, um, you know, some people putting Javante Williams as their RB one, or, you know, you'll see people who have, you know, Travis Etienne, they're dropping him way down the the rankings. And you start to see that as, as it goes on. And, you know, you, so you get that prospect fatigue where this guy's just been around for three years, just doing nothing but producing. And you get the big name popping up. Like, like you said, Spencer Rattler is is probably going to put up a really nice year next year. Um, And he's my QB two right now. Um, Maybe he passes him for me. I'm not going to, I'm not going to say one way or the other, you know, we're going to see how that shakes out next year, but those two are in the top tier for me. And then behind them, you have, you know, the JT Daniels. Um, I mean, Jaden Daniels is going to be eligible there too. I like him a lot. Um, you know, Dylan Gabriel will be up there as well. So you, you'll have some of those guys. And I think uh, JT Daniels is a guy that's going to have a really nice year next year too. So I think you're going to start to see people put him above Howell as well. So I think it was a really good point by you there and that's uh you know this wasn't something we discussed before the show i just saw his name on the show sheet and i was like i wasn't quite sure where this was going but
0: yeah no i think that's a really good article idea yeah yeah um so i think that wraps up new segment for the week um let's move on here to our next one which is going to be kind of the main thing we want to talk about here tonight and we have decided to call this segment and this episode as a whole um some g5 love we're going to give, you know, some time here to teams from leagues that that, you know, aren't really talked about a lot on a lot of podcasts. And I guess for good reason. I mean, a lot of your big time NFL prospects are coming through major programs and major conferences. But especially in C2C leagues, um, you know, even if guys never go on to the NFL, they can still win you some championships and and uh, you know accrue some some value that you can use on the college side of things. Um, So, so those guys are almost just as important as filling out the top end of your roster. Um, so, you know, as per usual here, we usually start with quarterback. I'm going to toss it right to you, Colin, who is a G five quarterback that you are interested in going into next year?
1: Um, so mine is, uh, (laughs) I'm cheating a little bit here. You know, you said we're going to give some love to these, to these G five guys and these under the radar guys, Uh, you know, but my first guy is Tanner Mordecai um now he if if you recognize the name that's because he was the backup at Oklahoma for the last two years he just entered the transfer portal and just went to SMU um you know he was a four-star guy coming out he's the number 11 dual threat quarterback in 2018 so not really an under the radar kind of a guy um but you know he got stuck behind Jalen Hurts who transferred in you know and we're we're seeing what he's doing in, in the pros you know he was a pro prospect kind of a guy he was just also a leader on that team and you know so okay got stuck behind him and then they bring in Rattler so now you have he was the number 1 QB in that class and and you know he's looked really good this year so it's kind of a case where he just got stuck behind two guys who were really good and now he's going to SMU who is losing presumably losing Shane Buchel. um so you know and they were the number 12 offense this year uh, so you, you kind of like the offense as a whole and you know, they've been able to produce. So with Michelle gone, you know, Mordecai may be able to step in there and, and produce right off the bat. Now they do bring in Preston stone, um, you know, in this, in this year's class, but he's going to be a freshman. So I, I would think Tanner Mordecai would have a leg up just on general experience. So he's definitely a guy I'm keeping an eye on from, for, uh, for, for this year as a G five guy, but like, said, a little bit of a cheat
0: cheat there. So we're gonna give the people what they've been wanting here for the past couple of weeks, and I'm just gonna disagree with everything you just said. <laughs> I don't think much of Tanner Mordecai has been beat out like by like a bajillion guys at Oklahoma, which is not necessarily shame in that, but you know it, they've they've brought guys in over him. Like they, they've you know the Caleb Williams is gonna overtake him next year, so it doesn't necessarily feel great to me that he has to transfer out of there to get some time. And I think it hurt – like, it was considered a huge coup for them to keep Preston Stone in Dallas at SMU. And I'm just very interested to hear what he has to say about them bringing – I mean, competition is always good, whatever, you know. But you know in the back of his mind, he's saying, like, well, what the hell did you recruit me for if you're just bringing in this other guy from Oklahoma who's going to you know push me for a starting spot? Like, I'm sure – He's probably going to there thinking that he's going to be the guy from day one, and that that was that. So I think you you are going to you're you're running the risk of angering him. And I just don't like. I said I don't think Mordecai is that good. So I think it it makes some of those guys like Rashie Rice and Danny Gray and Ulysses Bentley that I that I liked in that offense next year. It lowers their stock for me greatly, at least you know, any expectations that I had for them to score some points next year.
1: So you would prefer a freshman and Preston stone over, over Tanner Mordecai.
0: Yeah cause, or, I just your... I, yeah. Cause I just think Mordecai's not good.
1: Okay. Um, yeah. I mean, there's there's not a ton of tape out there on it, but he's a good athlete. Um, you know, he's got solid speed. He shows a little bit of wiggle there. Um, and I think he has like solid arm strength. So yeah, he's definitely a guy that intrigued me for sure. So, um yeah you know you bring up a good point about pissing off stone and and the fact they were able to keep him in state there but i I don't think i don't think mordecai is going to be anything that'll keep him off the field you know not next year but two years from now you know let preston stone sit for a year like i think that's typically a better way to go for quarterbacks too but you know we'll see how that shakes out definitely something to monitor in the spring because like i said they're they're a high scoring offense so it's somebody that you want to keep you you want to keep an eye on the quarterback of that offense.
0: Yeah. I mean, and I guess if you want to make that point, uh, Bushele was a guy that transferred from Texas cause he got beaten out there. So, exactly. I mean, they've, they've done it before. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just not a big, big fan of his, but, um, yeah, like you said, a lot of, off, a lot of points there to be had potentially. So, um, my, my guys, Cornelius Brown, the fourth, um, which actually, I oh man, I had written down that I wanted to say that in a very posh accent, Cornelius Brown IV, because it just <laughs> sounds like like a polo player or something. You know, it doesn't sound like a guy that plays quarterback for Georgia State. Um, but he is a—he uh, just finished his redshirt freshman year, uh, and it was his first year as a starter. He flashed enough that I just wrote an article for Dynasty Nerds, and I included him as a big buy. Um, you know, at a very cut rate price or possibly free i mean i think he's a free agent every single league i'm in but yeah. he scored as the um uh on a per game basis he was quarterback 41 this past season which is pretty solid he's a economic Konami code guy um so he's got the rushing upside got really nice size at 65 200 and uh he just got better as the year went on i mean he started off with a couple stinkers uh for the year but the last three games he um he completed 67% of his passes for 334 yards against South Alabama, and then uh, 71.8% for 372. And then Western Kentucky, he put up a lower completion percentage, but 232 yards and three touchdowns. Um, he, like I said, he can add some stuff on the ground. He's, in my opinion, definitely not an NFL guy. I would have a really hard time envisioning him ever making it to the NFL. I don't think he's really particularly accurate um ball placement flashes but needs some work um but the big thing that i like about him is that he plays in the sunbelt yeah. and i went through this year and i took just like how all the defenses in the sunbelt rank um in and total team defense and, and they average 71st which is just really not very strong i mean so he if that's if that continues over the next couple of years he should be able to at least beat up on Uh, those, those defenses. So I, yeah, I'd go out and, you know, if he's free or, you know, like in an auction, you know, I'd spend a dollar on him at the end of the draft or whatever, just to keep somebody else from having him or, you know, something like that. I don't, I don't mind doing that.
1: Yeah. I mean, you're always looking for, especially in an auction, you know, you're always looking for, uh, you know, guys to round out the back end of your roster. And I think that's a great point there with him. Um, You know, obviously, you know, he, like you said, he brings that dual threat capability there. You know, 300 yards on the ground, seven touchdowns this year. So, yeah, I mean he's, you know, in, in the fun belt there, you know, throwing up throwing up points. So, yeah, I think that's a great point. You know, he's not anybody that I had even on my radar remotely until I saw your article. Which, if you haven't seen uh, that article yet, definitely go check that out.
0: Yeah, I don't want to toot my own horn, but it's pretty good. Nah, it's fine. I'll do it for you. <laughs> I thought the what running back you? one was actually better. Um, had a lot of fun writing that one. Um, but uh, speaking of running back, uh, who is a guy that you're buying? Uh,
1: so a guy I'm buying is is a guy who's he probably is free in most of your leagues. You know, he's not a guy that anybody really expected to do anything this year. Uh, and that's Cameron peoples, uh, the redshirt sophomore for Appalachian state. Um, you know, everybody kind of had Marcus Williams um, tabbed as the guy who was going to step in for Darrington Evans uh, as he left, um, you know, and, and Appalachian state's a, a team that has like a solid rushing offense. You know, they were number 14 in 28 in 2018. They were the number 16 rushing attack in uh, 2019 with Darrington Evans. Um, So, you know, both years with Evans there. So, you know, you kind of wanted to target a running back there, at least for production on the college side. And, you know, and then Marcus Williams gets hurt. Uh, You know, Dietrich Harrington is the next guy up. Um, You know, he, he had, you know, 100 carries 595 yards. So it wasn't anything inspiring there. Uh, And then in comes Cameron peoples, um, you know, 6'2 uh, he was 185 coming out, which it's nice to see him back up to to 210 pounds now. Um, so that's like a good size there. But, you know, in comes Cameron Peoples and, you know, puts up 1,100 yards and 12 touchdowns on the ground. Um, you know, and then he had that big 63-yard TD run in their bowl game, which is kind of what led me to take notice of him because, I like I said, I didn't, he wasn't even on my radar before that. Um, but he's a guy who he didn't even have – he, he had no stars by the composite when he was coming out. Uh, he had two stars by 24-7, but none on the composite. He only had five offers, um, you know, and they were all from, from low-level G5 schools. So it was really good to see, you know, those types of guys. You, you like to see those guys start to succeed. And, um, you know, with Marcus Williams leaving next year, um, you know, Dietrich Harrington is going to be a junior, so he's, or he's going to be a senior, so he'll still be there, but you got to think they're give it, give it to Cameron peoples. And you know, this is Ap- Appalachian state's ninth straight year with a thousand yard rusher. So like I said, you want a piece of that rushing attack.
0: Yeah. Like uh, we talked a little bit about this before the show. I, I was not really aware of him. I think I'd heard his name once before. Um, so I'll have to do some digging on him. Uh, but yeah, it, it, like you said, I mean, it, a lot of these are. It's all about the offense, you know. If you can get a piece right. of an offense uh, that's in a weak conference, um, then that's that's a win for me.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's what you look for as far as like some of the G five guys and and putting up college production. You just want you target the offense and and what they're good at. You know, for App State, like I said, it's it's rushing for SMU. You know, it's it's uh, quarterback play. Uh, you know, and some of the receivers there. um, so yeah, you, 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 keep an eye on that. You see who breaks out and, uh, you know, who cares if they don't produce in the NFL cause you're going to get these guys for cheap.
0: Yeah. So, um, my, my guy's Kobe Lewis and I am a little more bullish on him as an NFL guy than I would be on maybe some other G five running backs. Uh, he's the, he's a third year guy at central Michigan, so he can come out this year and it's a weak running back class. So I keep thinking there's going to be like one or two of these guys that I'm, that I, that probably needs to go back. That's going to come out. And I think, you know, he's a candidate to do that. Perhaps um, I think I have him in all of my leagues that, that I'm in currently um, just because, yeah, the Mac, you know, the Mac on Wednesday nights is just high scoring pretty much every single game. Um, he's a decent sized kid at 5'11, two Oh eight. And stylistically, he runs pretty similar to Kareem hunt. He actually reminds me a lot of him. Um, obviously not, you know going to likely be the the nfl prospect that that hunt was but that's kind of would be my co- collegiate comp um he's okay. over the last two years he's averaged 14 and a half points and 18 points per game and half ppr which is pretty solid for a running back you know he's a guy that i'd be comfortable you know, depending on how many starting spots you have maybe one of those last spots or is a week filler. Or just one of those guys where, you know, you find out 10 minutes before kickoff that you're the starting wide receiver on whatever team is out for that week. So, um, yeah, he's one of those guys that I just like to have around. Um, and I, like I said, I don't think he declares this year. But if he does, just go by Lou Nichols, who is the guy that's behind him. And this year he was MAC freshman of the year. He had 508 yards and four touchdowns. He can catch the ball a little bit. He's a little bit bigger, though. He's 5'10", He's 5'10", 220 um and he's going to be absolutely free he's he's a free agent all of my my leagues that i'm in currently um so he'll probably be a guy depending on how many guys i send to the nfl from my teams this year that maybe i'm just looking to snag for free to you know slide in as like the last guy on my roster
1: yeah no i mean that's uh that's a great point like kobe lewis is a guy that i definitely had some intrigue after his 2019 year where he put up thousand yards 12 touchdowns uh 23 catches 164 yards through the air um, but you know, he definitely disappointed this year. Um, you know, he, he got kind of, well, he got outproduced by, by Lou Nichols, like you mentioned there. Um, and then, you know, they do bring in, uh, Jacob Sermon for, for next year, the, he was, he transfers in from Washington. Um, so do you have any concern about them kind of steering focus away from Kobe Lewis with, you know, going towards Lou Nichols and going with, uh, you know, bringing in a, bigger in air quotes name at quarterback.
0: Yeah, I'm actually not a hundred percent sure. I feel like, and that this is why I, I kind of am suspicious that maybe we hear him declare, but I still think he's the guy there. And even if they split, like, I think this year's split was the worst case scenario for him. And like I said, he still averaged 18 points per game. So, you know, it's not like he was in terrible. Um, it might limit his ceiling, but um but but I think he's a safe floor guy, and he's a guy where you probably know who the next guy is, which is something that I really, really like in those guys where you know, if he goes down, then I'll just go pick up, you know, like I said, Lou Nichols and slot him right in and get virtually the same production.
1: yeah, well, that like you said that's the nice thing too, where you if you do take Kobe Lewis, you do pick up on him, you know, scoop up Lou Nichols too, just in case you'd yeah. you know the direct backup already.
0: yeah, yeah, now, whether you want to waste two roster spots on, the CMU running backs or not, maybe not. I'm not doing it, but, um, it's at least, like, it would be free to go then get the backup. If something happens to him, True. like True. it's not a rate, you know, it's not like Seth McGowan goes down tomorrow and there's a race to go get Marcus major. You know, if, if, yeah, it probably wouldn't even be a blip on most people's radars if he goes down. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's, it's easy, free end of roster type stuff that can make a difference. Yeah yeah absolutely um wide receiver wise who are you looking at um so wide receiver for me
1: it's it's a guy that's probably on a lot most people's radar um you know especially if you know you do play in the c2c league you know maybe not as much debbie radar yet but um it's jalen robinson from ucf uh the redshirt sophomore um you know and he put up This his first year as a starter Um, You know, and he and Marlon Williams just went gangbusters in that offense this year. You know, he uh, Robinson put up 55 catches, 979 yards and six touchdowns. Um, You know, like I said, first year starter, too. So that was really impressive. Um, But he was a three star athlete who he went to Oklahoma at first. So, you know, he was a kind of a guy that people maybe not necessarily expected to, to break out, but he had some he had some big school appeal. So then transferring to UCF, you um, know,'s obviously sat out last year, but not you know not necessarily a shock if you've if if you're following that in a c two c league, like I said, but you know he put up big numbers this year. and you know you UCF was the number three passing attack this year the number eight passing attack last year. those were both Dylan Gabriel's years. He's coming back. You gotta figure they're probably going to be top ten in passing again. So you want pieces of that uh, that offense, especially the passing attack and Marlon Williams he's a senior. He's likely gone. I mean, you know, like you said, pre-show, we we have to put like a disclaimer at the beginning of the end of every show where, you know, everything we say about people leaving can be completely undone until we know just because of this extra year of eligibility. So until later in January, until the declaration deadline, you know, a lot of this stuff is going to have an an asterisk on it. But um, assuming he goes, you, know, you got to figure Robinson's going to be that wide receiver, the lead wide receiver for that team. Um, and I say lead wide receiver because at 5'9", 163, he's not a typical wide receiver one, um, mm-hmm. which that size is something that you know, definitely has me concerned for his pro prospects because while he's got good speed and he is a fluid athlete, he's not the elite athlete that you want to see for somebody who's 5'9", 163. Um, so I'll need to dig in a little bit more of him this off season to get a more of a firm grasp on the pro prospects, but I'm not overly optimistic at that size, but you know, like I said, we're, we're showing some love to these smaller school G five guys. And this is a guy that I think could really could really do some damage for you on the college side next year.
0: Yeah, I was, um, I was responsible for covering the preseason AAC stuff for dynasty nerds. Um, and I wrote uh, up on UCF and I highlighted Jalen Robinson as the guy that I thought was going to be their wide receiver one over the Marlon Williams, but I thought that he was going to be a slot guy that worked close to the line of scrimmage. I completely had his, his role wrong because he was a major field stretcher for most of the year. Yeah. Um, had a lot of really deep, you know, a lot of deep catches. I Pretty much all of his highlights are, are him doing that. Um, yeah, I, I, I feel the same exact way. So I'm not going to add anything else to that. Um, but I, I mean, he has at least another year there. Dylan Gabriel is going to be there for another year. They're going to put up a ton of points. So, um, any pieces that I can get from that offense, I'm, I'm happy to do so. Yeah. Same. I, I would agree with that. Yeah. Um, so my guy is, uh, my last guy here, wide receiver is, is definitely free. um like definitely definitely free like i don't own this guy anywhere but i would consider add like this was a weird year for my back end of my rosters because most none of my teams were competing so i didn't need to i wasn't looking for guys to plug holes like i was taking deep debbie stashes from the beginning of the year and then mostly riding that until the end of the year and then the end of the year like maybe I, i changed some of it up depending on what happened but um that was that was more the approach of what i took for like my last five to seven roster spots um but maybe next year I go and look at Johannes Tyler, who's a wide receiver from Ball State. Um, in eight games this year, had 42 catches, 607 yards, eight touchdowns. He's a former three-star guy, which is a pretty nice get for a school like Ball State. I mean, they don't get a ton of you know mid-three stars, which this guy was. He's got a really nice athletic profile. Um, I don't see any verified uh, athletic measuring. But he's 6'3", to a four and he moves pretty nicely on the field. I, it's it's definitely something like you. he moves well for his size. Um, and he I, I struggle to say that he's just a jump ball guy. He excels in that area, but that's not his whole game. That's not the only thing he can do. Um, uh, I think he's a little more versatile than that. The big hang up I have on on Tyler and why I'm a little hesitant, and again, we've already talked about it twice tonight, where we just need to like to have an edit button that says, like, oh, you know, we don't know who's gonna be back next year because everybody gets this extra year of eligibility. But their quarterback this year, Drew Plitt was a senior. His wide receiver running mate, Justin Hall, was a senior. And their star running back, Caleb Huntley, was a senior. So Ball State's kind of one of those programs where you think maybe at least one of those guys comes back and possibly you know possibly two of them. I mean, I'm not sure we'd see all three. Um, and I would be absolutely lying to you if I said that I knew what the quarterback situation was behind Drew Plitt at Ball State. <laughs> but I think... He, Justin Hall has the attributes in the, and again, in the Mac to be a, a leading receiver on a team that's probably going to score some points. So in that sense, again, like some of these other guys, you know, I, I don't know he's an NFL guy, but yeah, he'll probably put up some nice points in college next year. So um, depending on what happens his offseason, He's a guy that I have watch listed and we'll, and we'll go from there.
1: Yeah. I mean, he, like I said to you, when we were looking over the show sheet, I was like, I have no idea who Yo Tyler is. Um, so yeah, I'm not, I don't really have a lot to add on him here, but I mean, just from based on the things that you said there, you know, definitely worth throwing on the watch list, keeping an eye on and
0: seeing how that shakes out. And he's, he's on the all name team for next year. Oh, so. for sure. I'll always like to get one or two of those guys on my team. You know, Y O apostrophe Heinz, like ketchup, like that's awesome. <laughs> So you
1: gotta you gotta wonder if his family was like big uh, big catch up fans or whatever. Like yo, what do we name our kid? I, I don't know. Yo Heinz. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. It's uh, yeah. It's just one of those names that pops up. Like, what do they have? Like the coldest that's coming in next year. Yeah, the coldest. Yeah, the like,
1: coldest to ever do it. I think is his middle name. I think I saw that. I don't know if it was a joke,
0: but that's a myth. I looked it up because is it? Uh, okay. I I wanted it to be so bad, and it's not. But um, yeah, okay. So his first name is just Dakoldest. Yeah, Dakoldest Crawford, I think, is his last name. That's <laughs> really really fun. <laughs> um. All right. So we're going to revisit that a couple times through the off season. I mean, there's tons of players from the G five that that are intriguing for for fantasy purposes. Um. And we're going to look at mostly lower profile ones if we can. I mean, yeah. obviously, you know, Dil- everyone knows Dylan Gabriel. Um, but maybe you don't know who he's throwing to outside of Marlon Williams, who is the number one guy. So yeah, a guy like Jalen Robinson, you know, now maybe you have the jump on some of your league mates to go get him. Um, but the right. last thing, yeah, oh, go
1: ahead. I was just say, right, and I think that that's one of the keys to a C two C league too. Is like, yeah, you want those like prospect guys who turn into NFL guys, but the way to consistently stay competitive in, on the college portion is to just nail these G five producers who you know, they're, they they do not really have any pro prospects, but they're in an offense. It's going to put up a ton of points. And like I said, it's just going to, if you can churn through those guys and stay ahead of your league mates on that, you can at least be, you know, in contention every year, even if you don't have a Justin Fields, you know, or Kyle Trask from this year, you know, you can still stay competitive. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, and on that note, we are going to move into our last segment here and it's uh, similar to the last thing we talked about, but also a little bit different um, because it, again, is it is moving past identifying those early round guys that you want in your leagues and kind of filling out that bottom of your roster. Um, so this is going to be a segment that we do every couple of weeks because there are a lot of offenses that, that are similar to this one that we're about to discuss um, with maybe a position that year in year out is a mega producer and it's one that you want to keep an eye on. Um so this week we're going to talk about Arkansas state and specifically about their passing offense. Um, they've produced some pretty you know they're not really NFL guys I mean they, they've made it there and they haven't done anything there but it's it's an offense that that you look at and you can pretty well know that you know the top receiver is a guy that you can pencil into a starting lineup every week
1: right yeah, and this is um, yeah this offense the Arkansas state offense they have, been the number two passing attack this year number 10 passing attack last year number 20 uh in 2018 so the top 20 passing attack three years in a row uh, so th- that's definitely an offense you want to you want a piece of on the college side and i'll just start things off uh, talking about their quarterback uh and that's projected to be for next year it's lane hatcher uh he's a redshirt sophomore right now uh, he was a three-star guy you know number 53 dual threat um coming out but he went to bama um so you know he he was he had a little bit of love there now at first he was committed to arkansas state then he decommitted when bama was interested cuz you know why wouldn't you you know just go see what bama can do if you if you get on offer from bama as a guy like that like i mean i can't blame that guy for taking it i mean look at mac jones mac jones was a three star guy um but, you know, he redshirted, transfers back to Arkansas State. And he's he was an all-time – he's the all-time leading passing yards and TD leader in Arkansas high school history with 15,400 yards and 185 touchdowns. So, you know, he was a mega producer. Now, it's Arkansas, so it's not like he was doing this in Texas, but still um, – you know, and then last year, uh, he was the Sun Belt Freshman of the Year. Started in the last nine games of the year, 2,900 yards, 27 touchdowns. Uh, now, this year was kind of a weird year for Arkansas State at quarterback. They had this like weird split with him and and Logan Bonner. Um, Logan Bonner was the guy who was there before Hatcher came in. Um, you know, Bonner had uh, 262 attempts, and Hatcher had 194 pass attempts but Hatcher did, is the one who did put up the better stats. He put up 2000 yards um, at 19 touchdowns, and only two picks and Bonner just transferred to Utah state. So that presumably leads you to believe that Hatcher is going to be the guy there next year. And he's a guy that I do think is going to be able to produce at, at the quarterback position. So he's definitely, you know, we mentioned a couple of the targets earlier in the show. Um,
0: you know, he's definitely a guy to keep an eye on to throw in your watch list as well. Yeah. And for the record, um, I was able this past offseason to get a really nice bank of um, just guys that I that I got to watch at least two or three games of, and Hatcher um, had gotten some hype, so I, I sat down and watched uh, two or three of his games, and I graded him out very very poorly for the NFL. I have <laughs> him, <laughs> I have him as an undrafted free agent type guy, and he got a tier six fantasy grade for me. My tier six I have labeled. Is a guy that I will likely be never, in, never be interested in. I have a hard time seeing them ever making it in the NFL. Um, and yeah, slash undrafted free agent guy. Um, he was, I actually think I watched 20 quarterbacks or 24 quarterbacks, and he was my lowest rated guy that I watched, but <laughs> like you, but like you said, he's going to score points in that Arkansas state, off- Arkansas state offense. So if you're fine, like I know we always say this caveat, like if you're fine with only college production, you have to be really fine with only college production to go get lane Hatcher. <laughs> but if you're really fine with that, then go get lane Hatcher. Cause he's going to, they're going to do some things in that offense next year.
1: Um, yeah. I mean, and, and coming from transferring from Bama, like you said, he was getting a little bit of hype, so he's probably rostered somewhere. So I think unless you're, you know, a title contending team, I don't think I would go out and acquire Hatcher. Uh, but if he is, does happen to be free, you know, I would definitely go scoop him up.
0: Yeah. yeah. Um, we're not too concerned about running back. They haven't really produced that in the past couple of years, but we did just want to say like literally just name drop Lincoln pair or parade. I don't know how you say it. I was a true freshman this year and put up some nice numbers. Um, so he's a guy that maybe you have on radars, but I think he's a free agent in all my leagues and I don't, anticipate picking is. him up next year. Um, but just just a name to be aware of. Um, but then obviously the receivers um, and Colin, I'll let you jump in a little bit on them. Uh, yeah. So I mean, obviously the receivers are the big positions
1: here for Arkansas State. Um, you know, they had um, this year. They had Jonathan Adams Jr. Uh, who went put up 1,100 yards, 12 touchdowns. Um, you know, the year before that they had Omar Bayless, who just put up. He just went gangbusters in that offense. put up 93 catches. Uh, 1,653 yards and 17 touchdowns. Um, You know, the year before that they had Kirk Merritt, who he's a guy, I think
0: he's on an NFL roster somewhere. He was on the dolphins. um, And he actually, just so you didn't, he had 70 catches for 806 yards last year too. And he also had that big 2018. Um, Oh, Merritt. Merritt. Yeah, Merritt did. Yes, uh, I think. Yes. Yeah, I think he's still with the Dolphins. I could be wrong, but okay. regardless, he's there. Yeah,
1: yeah. Merritt had a, that, that year last year, and then in 2018, he was their leading receiver. He had uh, 83 catches for a thousand yards and seven touchdowns. Um, so you want you kind of want the wide receivers for these guys because you know they consistently put up big fantasy points. Uh, but the top three wide receivers for their team this year are presumably all gone. They're all seniors, um, you know, and if you I don't know how into the bowl games everybody is here, but if you watched this bowl games, you know, Adam skipped it. Uh, and their guy, Corey Rucker just went nuts. Uh, you know, he had nine catches, 310 yards and four touchdowns, uh, which was like pretty much his production for, for the entire year. Um,
0: <laughs> so you know, he had that, he had seven catches before the bowl game. It made me so sad to see that because, and you know this, I have an article yeah. teed up for when the site comes out, and I outlined what like a you know options for an auction draft, like for a full roster, and you know realistic you know players that could fit in those amounts. And I put Corey Rucker down as a guy that would be like less than one percent of your budget, and now yes. he's going to cost him than that, and that's just like such a bummer yeah. because I was really hoping this offseason to be able to get him for cheap in some places, but yeah, such is life. Yeah, I mean, after a huge
1: 300-yard four touchdown bowl game like you know, like I said, maybe people didn't watch Arkansas State's bowl game, but you know, if you go back and look through, you're going to see that stat line and it's going to jump out. Um, you know, and, and he's he got prototypical size too It's 6'2, 190, so he checks that box as well. So you're probably going to see some people go after him and uh, but maybe not on the other guy here and, and I don't know how much you have about the the next guy that I'm going to talk about, but that's Jeff Foreman. Uh, for, or for Arkansas state, he's the sophomore, um, you know, he's mostly prototypical size there too, 6'2, 175. So you want to see him put on, a, you know, some more muscle there, put on some more weight. Um, uh, but he was a three-star athlete coming out. He was the number 101st, um, you know, player there for, uh, the number 101st athlete. Um, so, you know, it's, he's just transitioning to the wide receiver position. So you want, you hope that he's going to put on some weight. Uh, but he did have some bigger, bigger offers. You know, he had an offer from Iowa state, from Texas. Um, and he's actually the guy who really came on strong at the end of the year here for them. You had three, uh, hundred yard games at the end of the year, uh, including four, for 144, and two touchdowns in that bowl game. Uh, so he actually had better production than Rucker. So, you know, if your guys, if your league mates are keeping an eye on Rucker, you know, maybe Foreman's a guy that you go keep an eye on there. Um. And Foreman also does return kicks too, so you know at times. So he's he's got that little bit of versatility. But you know, if your league gets gets points for kick returns, um, you know, also something to factor in there as well.
0: Yeah, I have zero to add on Foreman. I'm not gonna lie. I know he's I know he's a returner, and that's it. I've just been putting all my eggs in the Rucker basket. So um, yeah, I'll leave it at that.
1: (laughs) Well, maybe take one out and put it in the Foreman basket.
0: All right, I'll see what I can do, Um, or at least watch list him. So I do have, I do have a concern and it, we have to talk about it cause we're just going to sound like idiots. If we don't talk about this here during the show, um, new coach, new offensive coaching staff for Arkansas state this off season, but I'm still high on those, like on their passing offense. And it's, and I'll tell you why. So they're bringing in Butch Jones who maybe doesn't have the best reputation after his time at Tennessee, But people forget that before he went there, he was a pretty hot commodity at some lower ranked schools. He was at Central Michigan for three years and he was at uh, Cincinnati for three years. So before the show tonight, I went and just looked at what his play, you know, his quarterbacks and his, his top receivers produced in those offenses to see if maybe this wasn't such a smart thing to talk about tonight. And what I found, so he had, I'm sure if you guys are college football fans and you're older than like you know, 22, 23, you might remember Dan LaFever, who was the quarterback at Central Michigan for a few years. He never made it as a quarterback in the NFL. I think he transitioned positions. I want to say he, he became a tight end or something like that. Um, right around the time where, where people were saying that Tebow should, they were like, well, look at Dan LaFever. He did it. I, if I remember correctly, that was like the whole thing around him. But so his 2007 was LaFever's sophomore year. He scored 454.28 fantasy points in standard quarterback scoring that year, which was good for 32.44 per game. The next year, he only played 11 games, I think because of injury, but he still scored 278 points, which was good for 25.32 per. And then his senior year there, he put up 396.82 points at 28.34. And a lot of it is rushing as well. He was definitely a dual threat guy, which – which bodes well for um, for Hatcher. And then I looked at his receivers. And at Michigan or at Central Michigan, you might recognize the name there as well. It was this guy named Antonio Brown. Um, his three years there, he put up two hundred thirty-eight, two thirty-four, and two eighty-three as the top dog in that offense. So obviously, I'm not saying that Corey Rucker is Antonio Brown, but Maybe Antonio Brown wouldn't be Antonio Brown without um, without Butch Jones there. You never know. So that is interesting. And then at Cincinnati, it's actually a couple of different guys. 2010, he had Armand Bins, which is a name that I also vaguely remember, but I'm not going to lie. I don't remember the 2010 Cincinnati offense. But he put up 245 points. In full PPR scoring, 2011, their leading receiver was Anthony McClung. And they had to split time between two quarterbacks that year. So um, I, th- I think things got a little messy for that offense, but he put up 153 points. And then in 2012, Kenbrell tompkins of Patriots infamy was their leading receiver. And that was a younger year for him. He put up 100.1 points, um, 100.1 points that year. But Travis Kelsey was actually their leading receiver with 165.2. So his offenses are capable of supporting um, some pretty strong guys. Oh, in Cincinnati, a quarterback they had Zach Colirose. He put up twenty-one point four eight and eighteen point nine per year. And then two thousand and twelve, their quarterback's name was Munchie Leggo. <laughs> Munchie Leggo, I saw this. and I was like, "There's no way. How did I miss there was a guy named Munchie Leggo in college?"
1: Well, I don't think you were paying probably weren't paying attention to college fantasy football in uh, in two thousand and twelve. At least I wasn't.
0: I wasn't, but I saw that, and I was like, "There's no way." But yeah, yeah, Munshi will right. go. Yeah, uh, him and Brendan Kay were there. They split time, and they put up about 17 points uh, per game. So, but yeah, I mean, he's he's capable of of keeping these positions producing. So, I'm still high on the offense.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think, like um, you know, we were like I said we were talking a little bit pre-show. Um, I think you brought up a really good point in that. You know, yes, everybody's going to remember his years from Tennessee, but. I don't necessarily think that that is all that applicable for, you know, for, for Arkansas State or for what he's going to do there because Tennessee, you know, obviously power five school, but they're kind of in that like they're not even like the wannabes like USC and Texas are right now. They're like the next tier down. Like I, they just they always want to be good and they just never are. Like people just think they're going to be better than they are. That fan base is. I don't know what they're doing down there in Tennessee, but that fan base is delusional. Um, but you know, you, when you look there at the Arkansas state where it's a lower G5 school, then you look at central Michigan, also a lower G5 school. I think that's probably a little bit more applicable.
0: Yeah. Yeah. The, the G5 and P5 are like almost two totally different universes. Um, so I'm not worried at all about his time in Tennessee. Um, and one other, just quick thing that I wanted to note is that, um, Antonio Brown was actually probably not the best NFL player on that on that 2007 Central Michigan offense. They had a tight end on that roster whose name was JJ Watt, who actually caught nine passes that year, Uh, (laughs) which I just thought was a very interesting tidbit. I always forget that he went there for a year um, on the completely opposite side of the ball, which makes what he did in the NFL like even more remarkable, but
1: yeah (laughs) no yeah when you told me that i was like you you play the guessing game like oh can you guess who the best player on that team was and i was like there was a somebody on that team who was better than antonio brown (laughs) was not expected jj watt trick question
0: yeah yeah all right guys well that is going to be our show again here for tonight um as always we're going to be coming out with our canton bound episode uh later in the week here we've had some 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 fun episodes over there the past couple weeks. So don't miss out on that. Um, be sure to uh, rate and review and subscribe to our podcast on any of the platforms you use, especially on Apple podcasts. That seems to be the big one. Um, and other than that, I think I'm just going to wish you guys have a good week, you know, coming back from uh, Christmas break here. Um, uh, ease your way and slowly. That's all I'll say.
1: Easier way in slowly and I'll just say best of luck to everybody with their new year's resolutions. You know, you, obviously this is the third day of the new year, but Monday is when it really starts yeah. at least for me. Yeah. Um, so yeah, best of luck with everybody with that. Yep. All right. Have a good night guys.